0: Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayers that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Thanks for coming to church this morning on behalf of God. He appreciates it. Welcome. I am Ron Belsterling, and I, I don't remember that interaction, Nathan, uh, but I'm glad to know that you do, actually, praise God. You never know which conversations are going to land and uh, have fruit. Uh, I would like to read, actually, as we start, more uh, Lamentations. Actually, that passage was great, but that's the positive <laughs> Piece of it, and so I feel like we really, in order, in order to uh, get into this passage and what what God wants to do with it for us today, we really have to go back to the very first verse. I I won't read. It's a That's a very long chapter, so I will only read the first 25 verses. And I have chosen about three to five different verses to really pull out of the scripture this morning and talk about some extent what it means to deal with pain what it means to deal with the current uh, crises of today and um so let's do this let's read from lamentations chapter three if i say jeremiah forgive me it's jeremiah who wrote it and i just think of the two as synonymous but it is lamentations chapter three and i'll start reading at verse one and read through 25 um I am the man who has seen affliction. Because of the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places, he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. And even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people. Their mocking song all day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust, and my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is thy portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Lord, may we hear your words in personal ways this morning. May we find in them exhortation where we need to be exhorted. And may we find in them encouragement where we need to be encouraged. And Lord God, at the very least, may not one person participating in this worship today not realize that you are our sustenance. And may we seek you with every fiber of our being as we sang in the song May it not just be a song that shows up on a Sunday morning, but may it be the descriptor of the way we live our life every day. You are our God, and we do need you. May we live like it. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow. Uh, You know, when Nathan first said he was working through Lamentations, I thought, there aren't many pastors who choose lamentations to work through. So I have to believe that was spirit-led. And obviously, it's a season in the life of this Williamsport community that is a difficult season. And when some of what we go through, uh, first of all, the, the normal trials of life can weigh us down. Just paying the bills, cutting the grass, getting the shopping done, the kids who are fighting, uh, that can all weigh us down. And then this arises. And, and while we know these kinds of things happen, we don't assume them to happen to us. We're, we're surprised no matter. And we're definitely surprised and disappointed when it's a person in our community who in his own struggles hurts another person in our community and so i really think again it was god's leading and i'm actually grateful at first i really wanted to go with a message that was more the lord goes before you tap into that um, but i like nathan's wisdom on this front and i decided to submit to it since he was in this series and so i really do think god has a good word for you out of lamentations three this morning I'm going to select three particular verses to really build the whole message around, and I'm going to come back to them somewhat over and over. The first verse is Lamentations 3, 6, where Jeremiah writes, He has made me to dwell in darkness, like the dead of long ago. Wow. You know, and if you heard some of what I just read about Jeremiah who was known as the weeping prophet, you have to think, how could God, how could you allow this to happen? And even in some of the ways that Jeremiah is understanding this, not just allow it to happen, but know that it's going to happen, especially to the anointed who's bringing his message and challenge and conviction and encouragement. How could he go through this? Well, I I have yet to really read the story of a prophet in Scripture who doesn't go through lament. And pain and agony and is typically not well received Uh, and so anybody who speaks God's truth who lives God's truth and speaks God's truth you're going to feel lonely in different ways in a community that otherwise feels like a loving community you're going to feel pretty scared on multiple occasions and it's going to feel very much like darkness and we're going to expound on maybe what that might mean and why that happens and I praise God for the way he orchestrated today's service because every single song that we sang and the prayer that we prayed fits so neatly together with where this message is going I was more encouraged during the worship than any of you because I know how everything is tying together in the background but so what are the circumstances that Jeremiah is in well, <laughs> the circumstances are the destruction of Jerusalem. And while we look around at what we are personally going through and we talk about us being part of a post-Christian era in the United States, we really don't know what that fully means. We're getting glimpses and tastes of it as it shows up in culture and even in the walls of the church. But we're not experiencing it the way to say that you all have the blessing of and and sadly at the expense of another country of the ukraine to illustrate jeremiah's pain and position he had actually at the beginning of his ministry had experienced the end of josiah's ministry which really was helpful and fruitful and positive so yay the first five years were great then after that The next 35 were pretty much uh, downhill in terms of how things were going and how he was being received, etc. But the destruction was like that. Jerusalem was devastated and run over. And there were the political battles of people who favored the Egyptians and other people who favored the Babylonians. And basically most of the leadership, the kings or the puppet kings and the people and the priests or the fake priests and the prophets and the fake prophets or the weak priests, I should say, rather than fake, they were dividing between these two sources of potential hope. And all during this time that this impending doom was coming, during this time as things were happening like Uh, Daniel and others were taken to Babylon. People were looking. Oh, they were going to the political realm to find their hope. Now, I happen to believe that too many Christians ignore politics, but that's not a part of what today's message is because politics are engaging with society. But today's message definitely points out that the political world is not our hope. The political world is not our source of sustenance and the political world is not our strength. So while this was going on, Jeremiah over and over and over again said, forget these two empires, the Egyptians and the Babylonians, turn to God. And when he was in the midst of the circumstances, just picture him in the middle of the Ukraine, while the country is being devastated and evacuated and families torn asunder and communities torn asunder and even the physical ge- geography torn asunder, this is happening. He's going to God's people and saying, look around you, lean on God. And that's not happening. So he has the destruction And God's people rejecting God as the source of hope. So what happens? He has these two major circumstances going on in his personal life. And his feelings show up in Lamentations 3.17. So the circumstances are difficult. Right now, this community is made aware of the absolute potential downfall of humanity. It's in our face. And the feelings that accompany that are, as he says in Lamentations 3.17, my soul is bereft of peace. I have no peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. That's a tough place to be. I've been there. Most of us do not have a lot of the same experiences in life. I can relate to what has happened in this community because it was a friend of mine who sexually molested my child when he was six years old. And I can attest to the feelings of that season being, I have no peace. I have no ability to even think about wanting happiness. I didn't want to be happy. I wanted to survive for the sake of my family, for the sake of my community. And God uh, invited me into more of a leadership in that area in my community than I personally preferred but we don't always get to choose our call. So we have miserable circumstances. We have what are fair and valid feelings that accompany those circumstances. And then we have Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And just 10 verses before, <laughs> Jeremiah was writing about how he had no hope and God had essentially abandoned him. And you say, Jeremiah, which is it? Well, in all honesty, it's, it's both for Jeremiah at this time. And praise God that Jeremiah had spent enough time with him enough of a pursuit of him that he had an established relationship with him during the culmination of the worst events in his life, nearing the end of his ministry. And so in that is an implied encouragement to you all, and I'm going to be a little more direct, to make sure that you are spending time with the Lord when maybe the trials and the crises of your life, for the most part, are more of the ordinary venue. you. Part of my prayer life is, especially after walking through that experience in my life, um, and there are so many other tragedies. My son had a friend that was murdered in Virginia recently. It was a national news headline by a distraught person who who thought he had a relationship with his friend's wife. They were young 20s. He had started a ministry where he was trying to evacuate, trying to wipe out world poverty and having a lot of success in it. And, you know, these people were 30 years old. And we have people in my community who are... A young mother in my community, her husband had a cyst on his brain and, and they did the operation and now he's only half he only halfway knows who he is and you know she describes herself even though it's at the beginning of the season as a married widow there are so many trials we can't possibly have if we do have every trial I guess Job comes as close as anyone uh, woe Woe to to those of us who go through multiple ones of those. But Jesus lets us know the trials are here, and whatever trials we've had, they're not all going to go away and never have another trial come back. When he preaches, he says, and when the storms come, he doesn't say if. And so what I have tried to do with the, smaller trials in my life is to say, thank you, Lord. If this is the trial that I have to go through right now, and I've had some beefs with some people I work with, and someone said to me, well, you have no issues. You teach at a Bible college. Oh, yeah, because everything at the Bible college is perfect. Every single one of God's chosen behave purely and perfectly all the time. And so I've had some issues, and as I think about and dwell on, and, and, and when are we tempted to think about these issues? In the middle of the night when you can't sleep. And as soon as I start to go there, the Lord overwhelms me and I ask him to do this with praying for the people whose trials I don't wanna come anywhere close to. Because my trials are blessings, in the words of Laura's story, They're raindrops. They're blessings in disguise. They're not storms. And I have learned to thank God for the things that truly give me the patience I pray for, that truly give me the stamina that I desire, that truly propel me to stand up and be convicted in ways that my life or a jail sentence isn't, isn't the end of that potential reality. So if you learn anything right now, learn that your Your trials are blessings. (laughs) And you really need to begin to pray over them with gratitude. Uh, And I repeated to my children while they were growing up over and over again, if that's the worst thing that happens to you today, then you are a blessed human being. And now I have two children that say that back to me over and over and over again. And I think, thank you, Lord. Uh, Now I know what they felt like. So let's go back to these three key key verses. Um, And I want to break down what they mean in, their, in the literal Hebrew because there are some ways that we can understand these verses that go beyond the one word that's in your translation text or in my translated text. Let's go back to Lamentations 3 6. He has made me, He has set me, He has married me, He has let me remain in the darkness. And I think, sure, we we get set in darkness. Some of us are just in difficult circumstances. But the whole thought of God has married me to darkness. Who here wants that? Well, gee whiz, I don't see too many of your hands going up. Yet... For those who are responsible and responsive to God, oftentimes we go through a season in which we feel like we are married to darkness. Can you imagine being the families in the Ukraine, the women and the children who have to say goodbye to their husband, who has no idea how to be a soldier, who is going off to be a soldier, who is leaving a home, leaving a community and going, they know not where. And then you get to a border and you are surprised that you have actually made it there with your children and family intact. And then the people that are waiting there, there are some very loving, gracious people who are waiting there but there are other people waiting there looking for people who are easy to employ in the field of sex trafficking. Can you imagine being a young mother with young children who has gone through what you've gone through, you get to the border, you feel a sense of relief, and now your world is turned upside down beyond what you can imagine? When I went to Paris... France. I was really looking forward to it. The city of love. I couldn't enjoy it for one minute because all I could see were the used up, sexually trafficked women peddling pencils. And you could see in their face and in their eyes, there was no joy. There was no peace there was no life one of the things we talked about last night or yesterday afternoon was how when a person is abused it's not just an external encounter it's as though someone is reaching down your mouth in your mouth down into your guts and pulling out everything that makes up who you are when i was driven off the side of a road by a a driver. It took me a year to be able to drive on the road and not think that every single other car was veering into my lane to take me off the highway. It was a very serious car accident. I can't imagine if someone did that to me with the insides of who I am. Richard Foster has described this darkness as the dark night of the soul the dark night is one of the many ways God brings us into a hush a stillness so that he may work an inner transformation upon the soul and he likens it in his text to an operation that we don't want but we desperately need I have had two cervical spine surgeries one this past year And each time the doctor looks me in the eye and says, you know, the wrong slip and you won't talk. The wrong slip and you won't walk. And the wrong slip and you will die. And yet I know that I need this surgery if I don't wanna be paralyzed and I want to have a life that I believe uh, allows me the freedoms that we have experienced. Did I want the surgery? No. Did I have the surgery? Yes. Have I been blessed, blessed with the ability to walk and talk since? Yes. And let me tell you, I take stairs. Thank you for putting me up in the hotel. I was on the fifth floor. I took the stairs every time. Do you know why? Because I can. I'm grateful that I could take stairs. And who knows? The first surgery was 10 years ago. I've been told I'll need another one in another 10 years. I can take stairs. I can take the hard way. And you know what the hard way's Not the hard way. I'm better off. I lose a little bit of weight. Not a lot. I park in the farthest spot possible most of the time. I park downtown this morning. Because I can walk. And I'm grateful for it. We take so much for granted. And what we go through, God is trying to say to us, I want your attention. And the biggest part of my prayer life is, Lord, have my attention in the little things. Please, I don't want one of the big things to get my attention. Let me give you gratitude now. Let me give you my attention now. We can easily sing, God, you are my one and only God. You are the reason I live like we did this morning. It's another thing to live that way every minute of every day. But in the words of Jeremiah, this is what God wants from us. And he wants this from us for two reasons. He wants to mature you in your relationship with him. He wants to build your trust in ways that you can't imagine can be built. And he does that for you. But you have to understand that God's vision for your life goes way beyond you. And he does that for the people who will be of your fold, no matter your education, Peter was obviously an uneducated man, no matter your social tendencies, I'm about as a social misfit naturally as it comes. The only thing I planned or was organized, I barely graduated college, the only thing that I did that was organized, and this was pre-internet, was arrange a trip to Alaska. And I went, and I wanted to go to Alaska, so I never had to come back. In my humanity, I wanted to live in the woods with bears. God decided to turn that into a mission trip for me. <laughs> okay, God, teetering back and forth. But I, I have been called into a space of this world where he has had people lean on me over and over and over again how about god's humor he called me to minister in the new york city community for 20 years i wanted to go to alaska he said great let's send you to new york city i like why he wanted me to mature through my trials and there were so many different trials i had my dad was an alcoholic my mother was psychotic I was my own worst enemy as a teenager growing up and put myself in multiple situations where the police were chasing me and many other bad, not good life situations. And I realized that a lot of the trials that I went through when I got to that particular trial with my son were only helping to develop in me an ability to meet the trial of all trials in my life. And in those low, low seasons, coming back to Lamentations 3.17, I have forgotten, or uh, here's how we can really read, not only forgotten happiness, but I have neglected happiness. I have rejected what is happy. I have rejected what is beautiful. I have turned my back and neglected anything that is fine. I do not want to be merry. There are people in your community right now who, if they laugh, they feel guilty for it. Some of that's actually pretty healthy. The clip talked about depression. Depression is needed. Depression can be part of the healing process. In fact, I hope you all hear this. Every single one of us needs to encounter and go through at different seasons some forms of mild depression and maybe even moderate. That is good for us and good for God using us in a community that has a lot of difficult life situations. Severe depression, we don't want to go there. But a little bit of mild depression means you are not putting your head in the sand and pretending that everything is peachy keen. Life is difficult. If you aren't on occasion overwhelmed by it, then you're not in touch with reality. So some of you right now are thinking, man, I feel like I'm constantly in a place where I'm overwhelmed with what's going on. Well, praise God that you're conscious enough to be overwhelmed in that grief. What do you do with it is part of the question. How do you keep it from moving from mild or even moderate too severe well let's just follow jeremiah's advice turn to god i have at different times grieved so much for what's going on in the ukraine and in my local community in the last couple months with so many young families that i have been moved i can do nothing with that energy but to pray in the middle of the night and i have had times of fasting for nothing but the grief that people are going through And that I feel on their behalf. And those times of fasting have actually encouraged me and strengthened me. And I have spent more time in prayer on those days. I have spent more time in His Word on those days. And I have walked away better off for it. If you feel it, and you should, do something. And here's what we're tempted to do. Check out Pinterest, go shopping, turn on the game. There's always another dress. There's always another game. There's always another vacation. There's always another event. And we just live hip hopping through life. Trusting the circumstances of the world to alleviate our despair. They never will. Only spending time with God will give you the joy, the peace, the fortitude that we all need. And then Lamentations 3, 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His compassion never ends. They're fresh every day. And I love the word fresh, meaning renewed in vigor, free from taint like a spring water. Have you ever stuck your head in the spring and drunk? Now, I know in today's world with chemical. But I remember when I was in Alaska, I remember when I was in the hills of Virginia, I remember in Pennsylvania, when I'd come across a stream, stick my head in and take a drink of that cold running water, and it was so fresh. And the fresh wind, my wife loves putting the sheets on the clothesline because they smell like the fresh wind that was a great little video that played have you ever seen the commercial on the streaming services of the little girl walking down the city sidewalk and sees the little flower that's growing up in between the sidewalk crack where everybody's walking past left and right nonstop? she sees it her father helps her to take it and transplant it before you know it there's a guy sitting on a bench in a park that now that flower has transformed into a small field of flowers. That is what God is hoping to do for you and with you. His mercies are fresh and new every morning. And we live in a world, especially in our country, where we're not dependent on God. We're dependent on ourselves, on our own successes, on our own material comforts. We don't relate to what it means to pasture a flock of sheep in the cliffs. When we read those stories in Scripture about the shepherds who pastured their sheep, we picture the fields around Lancaster and on my drive up here, rolling green everywhere. Well, a lot of the fields the shepherds pastured their sheep on were nothing but rock cliffs with no grass on them. And they were the pasture because the shepherd would go there, they would camp out overnight, and the mist from the Sea of Galilee and other places would fall on that rock cliff and bring up little sprouts of grass that were only there for that day. And the sheep would eat whatever grass sprouted up And they would wait there that night for the next morning when that little, that grass would sprout all over again. When I was in Uganda, there were men who desperately wanted to work and they would line up by the 40s and 50s in different places, hoping for someone who would hire them for pathetic wages for the day. And you know what was crazy about all the people that I met in Uganda? Uganda. They had a sense of calm and peace and joy that I just don't run into with that kind of frequency here in the United States when we have everything we could really want at our hands. And so God wants to replenish you. He wants to convict you. He wants to be there for that season in your life. And I alluded to the fact that I had gone through some trials as I was growing up. Some of them brought on to myself. When that happened to my son, my faith in that dark night of the soul grew in ways that I could never have imagined. See, up to that point in time, my faith was something that I chose. I said, Lord, I want to be yours. We sang a song that we said, yes, I say yes, over and over. And that was my faith journey. God led me, God convicted me, God gave me grace, God, and it was real. The faith was real. This was the first trial in my life that I did not choose to go start my morning on my knees in prayer. I woke up on my knees. It wasn't a choice. It was a place that I was married to, that I was residing in. It was no different in that morning than it was in the middle of the night. I would go three, four, five times a night and go into my little boy's bedroom and unwrap the sheet from his face where he had tried to suffocate himself in the middle of his sleep every night for two years. When I say I I was there. I never left it. And I have had to, since that time, thank God for it. I have had so many opportunities and so many conversations to speak into people's lives and God has used it. And if you hear any messages, number one, that kind of tragedy, that kind of trial that is forced on us No one wants it, but God can bless through it. Trust that. No one asks for that, but God can bless. It's not that person's fault who has been abused in that way. Some of you need to hear that because some of you have been through that and you need to start to take ownership of the idea. Now I want to move to the very end of chapter 3 verses 55 through 57 and in it Jeremiah um, says I called on thy name O Lord from the lowest pit from my cry for help and you did draw near to me and so he has that to fall back on and there are two pieces that I really want to And the worship team, feel free to come on up. That I want to highlight at at the end of this chapter 3, at the end of this poem, at the end of this song. First, I want to refer to verses 42 and 40. I'm reading them backwards. Jeremiah's prayer for reassurance ends with this. We have transgressed and rebelled. Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. I'm not saying that we deserve some of the calamities that you have had in your life. But I am saying with Jeremiah that we all live lifestyles where we do not trust God, lean on God, go to his word in the norm of our lives. And with Jeremiah, I will say to you, examine yourself. When this man did what he did to my little boy, I had to examine myself and say, I have treated other people like objects. Not to that degree. Not to that extreme. But if you interrupt me, if you cut me off in traffic, if you don't uh, do what I want you to do when I want you to do it, that means my children, my wife. Woe is me relative to me. Let us return to the Lord, and that has been my call to spend time in his word. And then in verses 60 and 63, he reminds us and makes it clear that the people, the kings, the false prophets, the weak priests schemed against him, and they mocked him. While you are trusting God, you can be sure that the world will try and Satan will try to keep you from growing in that relationship second guessing it challenging you it's real god is real his love his peace and joy are real evil is real and satan will never be happy if we're happy in the lord if you believe in god and you believe in heaven you have to believe in satan and believe in hell and we have an enemy that comes after us like a roaring lion Don't wait until it gets critical. Seek your God while he is easily at your fingertips. Lord God, be with the people in this community who are right now in a very dark place. Speak to them, minister to them, and we know, Lord, that the primary ways you intend to do that are through us. May we have you in us to do that. Because most of us don't have in ourselves what it will take. May the love that I offer be the love that fills the overflowing in abundance from you. And Lord God, may we hold hands and trust you and make a difference so that your kingdom is expanded. And one day all will know your peace and joy as best as we could have been utilized to make that happen. In your name, Jesus, keep us in prayer for those who are extremely hurting right now. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.